Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we're going to take some brief moments to share a word of encouragement. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we have the privilege again of coming into your presence, and we are thankful for this opportunity. We are thankful because, Father, because of Jesus Christ, we are able to do this. The death of your Son on the cross has given us access to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to our great God. Now the word says that we can come before you boldly, with confidence, knowing that you hear, you answer our prayer. We come this morning, Father God, to worship you, lift you up in song, and to ensure that you receive the praise and honor and the glory that you deserve. We also come this morning to hear from you. Not from me, Father, from you. And so I pray that as we pause now, your spirit would speak, your will would be accomplished, your purposes would be realized as your word goes forth. May your words be heard, not mine. And may you again receive the honor and the glory. And may your people be encouraged. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. We're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we're going to look at some brief verses, verses 24 through 26. This is a special verse for me. And I'm going to remove my explanation up in my notes. Um, those of you who know me, know me as a nice, easygoing young man. I wasn't always like this. Yes, yes, I used to be a, <clears throat> a bad boy, as people say. And um, particularly when I was in college, you know, people say a little knowledge is a bad thing. I had a little knowledge, and I used to use that little knowledge for sword play with my brothers and sisters in Christ from other denominations. Um, those were not days that I was proud of, but in the process of that, the Lord brought me to this verse, and it is now I consider my life verse. It is found in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verses 24 through 26, it says, The servant of the Lord must not strive. I'm a KJV man, so please apologize why I quoted in KJV. He must not strive, but he must be gentle unto all men. He must be apt to teach. He must be patient. He must be meek. As the scripture says, because he speaks in meekness, correcting those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure would grant them repentance unto the acknowledgement of the truth, who are taken captive by Satan to do his will. The Lord challenged me because the purpose of knowing and understanding God's word is not for argument, it's not for controversy. It's not to win your point, especially for those of us who find ourselves in a position of leadership in the church. The knowledge you have, the 
understanding you have gained as a leader in the church is not for the purpose of beating. It's for the purpose of encouragement. It's for the purpose of instructing. This particular text, Timothy is the final book that Paul wrote to his son in the faith, Timothy. It was written as an encouragement to Timothy. There have have been situations and circumstances Paul was concerned about. He said in in 2 Timothy 1, 5 through 7, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lewis and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that is in you as well. For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands, of my hands, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It appears as though Paul was concerned. Timothy may have been getting discouraged. And so Paul wanted to encourage and say, listen, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be encouraged, my son. Understand as well, Paul was in prison at this time. He saw his end coming. He says in 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, I solemnly charge you, Timothy, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, he says, Timothy, you've got to preach the word. Be ready, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and instruction. He wanted to encourage Timothy, I'm getting ready to leave this scene, my brother. I need you to persevere. I need you to press on. As an encouragement to us as believers, we need to continue to persevere, to press on. He says, listen, my my son, in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. My time is drawing nigh. I need you to step to the plate. I need you to do the job. I need you to do it well. It's a statement to us as believers. We all need to step to the plate. We need to do our jobs as believers, as servants of God, and we need to do it well. Paul starts off in chapter 2 by listing some pictures and examples for Timothy. He says to Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, he says, Timothy, what I need you to do? I need you to, to suffer hardship as a good soldier. You need to be a good soldier. You're going to go through difficult times, but you've got to be prepared to deal with that. And you've got to be prepared to focus and understand that your purpose is to not get in affairs of involved in the affairs of this life, but to make sure that you please the one who has called you to be a soldier. Your purpose as a soldier is not to fight your fights. Your purpose as a soldier is to fight the fights, to do the battle for the one who has called you to fight. It's not about you. It's not about your agenda. It's about the one who has called you. He says he wants you to be a good athlete. But as a good athlete, you need to obey the rules. He says, Timothy, I want you to be a hard-working farmer. I want to remind you about Jesus Christ and the example that I set for you. I remind you that you are to be a good workman that needeth not to be ashamed, that properly handles the word of truth. We as God's people, as the servants of God, need to know how to accurately handle God's word. We should not be, though the word of God says, 
we need to be like babes and enjoying the sincere milk. But the scripture also says, by now, some of you should have been teachers, but you're still drinking milk. So where are we? What are we being called to do? He says, Timothy, you're to be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful to the master. That's what you've been called to do. He says, Timothy, you've been called to be a servant of the Lord, gentle and patient, instructing persons so they can escape the trap of Satan. I want to encourage you, my brother. These are the things I want to highlight. These are the things I want, you to, I want to call you to become, to, to stretch and to, and to work toward being a good soldier, being a hardworking farmer, being an athlete that runs, runs well. He continues on to the text I want to use, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 to 26. He says in verse 23, he leaves in the 24 with this statement. Timothy, refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. As I told you, that was the verse that was my, a part of my slap in the face, my wake-up call. The purpose of discussing God's word, this purpose of discussing is not to get in a row, not to win the fight. When I am engaged in a discussion with a person who is a non-believer, someone who doesn't accept the truths of the faith, my purpose in talking with them is to show them the truth, not to win the fight. Because I can win the fight and lose the battle. Because I may lose the individual. You don't beat them over the head with the truth of God's word. Your purpose is to present them the truth of the gospel and allow God, the Holy Spirit, to work in them. We even see in this text where it says, when you teach as a man of God, it says, you are hoping that God would grant them repentance unto the acknowledgement of the truth. You're presenting it to them with the hope and the prayer that God, the Holy Spirit, would do that work. Not you. Not you. But he says, Timothy, you have a responsibility. Don't get into foolish quarrels and arguments, discussing speculations, and he calls them ignorant speculations, unlearned, knowing they're going to produce quarrels. Don't get in a discussion you know is going to start a fight, and that's what he used to do. He used to get in a discussion. I deal with my friends in the Church of God of Prophecy. Oh, my goodness. And my aunt is a preacher in the Church of God of Prophecy, so you know I used to have a time. And so when I met with them, we used to discuss certain topics. We used to get in some long debates. But the sad thing was, sometimes I'd win, you know. But win the argument, but lose a friend. The person doesn't want to talk to you anymore. They don't want to have any discussions with you anymore because they know what you want to do. You just want to beat them into submission. That's not the purpose. That's not what the Word of God is. It's not a club. He says, listen here. You, as a servant of the Lord, must not be quarrelsome. This morning we want to look at this text briefly, quickly, and show how we as the Lord's bond servants should behave ourselves. This text closely parallels 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-7 through that talks about the, the qualifications of the bishop. And so we're going to go through it. 
It says, the Lord's bond servant, the Lord's bond servant must not be, what? Quarrelsome. Must not be quarrelsome. But in contrast, as opposed to being quarrelsome, he must be kind to all. He must be able to teach. He must be patient when wronged. He must be in a position to correct those who are in opposition. And he does it with gentleness. His purpose, his reason, perhaps God the Heavenly Father will grant them repentance that will lead them to the knowledge of the truth, that they may come to their senses, that they may escape the snare of the devil who have taken them captive to do his will. This is a man who is concerned about his master's will. This is a man who is concerned about the people that God has given him responsibility for. This speaks to qualifications of a leader. And especially now as we are considering new leaders, I want us to ponder and consider as we look at individuals, do we see biblical qualities manifested that will demonstrate that persons are capable to fulfill the biblical mandate. Let's look at the text. It starts off packed with information. We better be quick. The text begins with a statement of a fact and position. The person that Paul is referring to, and in this case, Timothy, and by extension, all of us, especially leaders, are to be the Lord's bondservant. A bondservant in the Greek is doulos. He's a slave. A slave is one who is a permanent relation, in a permanent relation of servitude to another. He is his will being altogether consumed in the will of the other. My will is to do his will. That's a servant. This is the Lord's bond servant. The Lord's servant. Which means that the servant is consumed with the will of his master. He is consumed with the will of the Lord. This person's purpose was determined by his master. Who is our master? God. He determines what our purpose is. Not what I want to do. Not my agenda. What is God's agenda? As his bond servant, as his slave, my purpose and my desire is to seek my father's will and be consumed with that. Just like a soldier who understands in order for me to be successful and effective for the one who has called me, I can't be get, get caught up in all these other affairs. I have to focus. So he says, Timothy, you're a bond servant. The soldier's job is to please the one who enlisted him. And our job as servants of God is to please our master, not ourselves. It is to look out for our master's interests. And as a servant, guess who our master's interests are in the church? His people. So as God's servants in a position of leadership, our concern is the Lord's concern. You. That's our focus. The servant must not be quarrelsome. And this text is not a request. The word must in this case means that it is necessary this servant of the Lord must not be quarrelsome. As verse 23 states, refusing ignorant speculations, knowing they produce quarrels, you don't have time to waste. You're busy about your master's business. 
You're not supposed to be striving over disputes of words. This is not mean he's not to contend for the faith because there are going to be persons who are going to come in and try to capture. The servant of the Lord must be prepared to protect, but he's not here to get into fruitless arguments and discussions. He has a purpose. He's focused. He is to contend for the faith. He's not to engage in fights over trifles just for the purpose of having a victory. Notch under my belt. I won that one. The purpose is for the benefit of the other, not to win the argument. So my discussion with you is not to say, you know what? I may have to even leave it. You don't get it? We'll pray. Allow God to open the eyes of your understanding. Again, it's not my job to pry it open and make you understand. I'm trusting God to do that. This individual must be kind, able to teach, and patient. Kind, that means he's gentle. As God's servants, we're to be gentle. We're to be tender, reasonable, considerate, soft, compassionate. This word was frequently used by classical Greek writers to characterize a nurse with trying children or a teacher with difficult students or a parent with children. Yes, I have to take the time. I have to care for. I have to be concerned with even the difficult ones. Even the difficult ones. The attitude is not, you know what? I love that child because that child is very compliant, gets along with me, obeys the parent, but that one is a problem, so I cut that one off and I focus on the other. No. As God's servants, we care for all. That's what the text says. Be kind and able to teach when wrong. Be kind. In 1 Thessalonians 2.7, it says, But we prove to be gentle among you, as a nursing mother tenderly cares for his children. All. All children. He must be able to teach. This speaks to skill. This doesn't speak to knowledge. Because we can have a lot of knowledge, you know. You can get the degrees. You can get the qualifications. You can get all the understanding. But the question is, are you able to take that information and when the opportunity presents itself, be able to share with someone, talk to someone, instruct someone, correct someone in a manner that they understand what you're saying? It's no sense getting up in the pulpit and throwing out these big eloquent words that come from my seminary exposure. And at the end of the day, you walk out of the front door and say, uh Some of us, oh, that was a beautiful message. So powerful. What did he say? I don't know. I just don't know. It was so deep. Come on. The purpose is to be able to share in such a way that the people of God have an understanding of the text. How can I respond to the text if I don't understand the text? So I have to present in a manner that individuals recognize what is being said and understand what is saying to them to them, apt to teach. The qualities of an overseer. Understanding now, this is not again to win the argument. 
He must be patient when wrong. The Lord's servant must not retaliate or seek revenge when wrong. He must be patient with those who have wronged him. This word is usually used here, is, is only used here in the New Testament. And the idea is to endure, to bear with, to persevere, to remain, or to stay. The idea is that you do not try to justify or clear yourself. But serving the Lord and his people, we follow Christ's example. Listen to this example. I told those folks in my Sunday school class, this was a tough example. The Lord allowed me to feel this verse recently. 1 Peter 2, 21 through 23. You have been called for this purpose. Since Christ also suffered, but I'm suffering now. These people are treating me. They don't understand what I'm going through. I hear them talking about me. I hear them putting me down. And I didn't do anything. That's fine. It says, Jesus Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. He committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile again in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept doing what? Entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Oh, hallelujah. You know what God is saying? You don't have to fight for yourselves. You could stand there and hold your peace. Our Heavenly Father is fighting for us. You don't have to defend yourself. Man, they're making my name look bad. Trust me. God got your back. You don't have to get up there and say, you know what? Y'all don't know what I'm going. That's not your purpose. Your purpose is to proclaim the truth of God's word and allow God to do the rest. The Lord will fight for you, and you will hold your peace. Do you trust God to do that? So when people start to talk about you on the job, people start to talk about you in the neighborhood, man, they don't know what's good. I can get up there and just tell them a piece of my mind. Keep that peace. You need that. Keep that. And allow the Lord to defend you. He will. He will. Correcting. He says, patient when wrong. Patient when wrong. Jesus Christ defended his father's interests, not his own. Isn't that amazing? He said, my, house, my father's house is a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. Get out. But when he was being beaten, and they knew, you don't think Jesus Christ knew he, he, he did no sin? But he stood there and took it for you and I. He also says, he did it with gentleness, correcting those in opposition. With a spirit of humility or meekness or power under control, you have authority. As a leader, you have authority, but it is being kept under control in the interest of others, in faithful submission to the word and will of God. The word is praetis. It's a kind of gentleness that reflects a spirit of humility that does not focus on self, but on the Lord and on others in his name. It has nothing to do with impotence or being shy. I'm not being shy when I'm gentle. It's not about being weakness or cowardly. It is power supplied by and willingly put under the control of the Holy Spirit in faithful submission to the word and will of God. When one is truly meek, he talks not of himself, 
but of the Lord. You put yourself under God's authority and you humbly submit to him even though you are being wronged. You trust him with gentleness. With gentleness. And with gentleness, you correct individuals. You don't come there as a bully. You're trying to instruct them. You're trying to teach them. You're trying to correct them. You're trying to train them. You're trying to do it like a a, a parent teaching a child. That's the attitude you're coming with the people of God. You want them to know the truth. You want them to understand why. Because this is what we want to accomplish. Because this is what our Heavenly Father wants to accomplish in them. Correcting. Instructing. They're in opposition which means they're against. Timothy, Paul reminds Timothy, as we go back in 2 Timothy 2.14, remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words which is useless and leads to the ruin of its hearers. Paul is telling Timothy, listen, don't get caught up. These individuals, they're caught up with these words they're getting involved in these empty chatter. They're getting involved in ungodly talk and it's spreading like a gangrene. You've got to correct it. And you're doing it to the benefit of the individual. When I come to talk to you, when I come to instruct, when we come to correct, it's not again because of me. It's because of you. And the text tells you why. You're correcting the individual humbly. Why? Because what you're hoping is that God grants this person repentance. He grants them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. Why? That they may come to their senses and they may escape the trap, the snare of the devil because they've taken him captive. But you realize there are people in our churches who've been taken captive by snares, lies, traps of the devil. Individuals in church. And we as God's leaders are here with the purpose of speaking the truth and instructing with the hope and prayer that God would grant them that repentance. Repentance, the changing of their mind and heart that have abandoned their former positions and, and, they, and they move on to the next step. They, they, they then gain a knowledge of the truth, a full and complete understanding of the truth of God's word. And, and they move on to the next step. They, they, they come to their senses. They, they, they wake up for their, from their, their drunken stupor. They understand. They recognize what is going on. Why? So they can escape the snare of the devil who has been taking them captive. We hope these people come to an understanding of God's word. Know the truth of God's word. Wake up from their drunken stupor of sin and understand the Satan that trap them and they're able to break free from that bondage. That's why we instruct. That's why we teach. That's why we spend time ensuring that the word of God is proclaimed because our concern is that the people of God understand and that the power of Satan is broken. That's what we want to see accomplished. We want to see people live their lives fully to the honor and glory of God. People are trapped. He continues. Be careful. The servant of the Lord must correct with gentleness. And guess what? This purpose is not for punishment. It's for correction. It's for change. It's for improvement. It's not to beat the individual down. It's actually to lift the individual up. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says... All scripture is inspired by God. Why? Because it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correcting, 
the training of righteousness. Why? So that the men and women of God will be what? Adequate, equipped for all good works. That's what we want to see the people of God doing. Living their lives fully, completely, maximizing all that God has in and for them. And mothers and sisters, it's not about the leaders. It's about God and his people. And the servant of God must understand that and in meekness, humility, and patience, do the work that the Lord has given to him, correcting and instructing those in opposition and not retaliating when wrong. He is the Lord's bond servant. This is what we have been called to do. But to those of you who are considering it, I give you a word of caution. Beware. It comes with a price. You must expect, in verse 3, to suffer hardship. You must expect that you're going to have to focus your attention on the things that God has called you to do and not get entangled with the affairs of this life. You have to expect, he, he expects you to compete and to do it according to the rules. You're going to be called to do the right thing, and in some circumstances, it's going to be tough. But he expects you to compete according to the rules. He expects you to be hardworking. So when you come to this position, you can't be lazy. It's not for the faint at heart. When you come to this position, you must remind yourself you have to flee youthful lust. You have to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call in the name of the Lord. And you've got to refuse those foolish and ignorant speculations. You don't have time to get involved in those kind of discussions because you need to focus on the people of God and what God has called you to do. But the reward is great. When you do the job and do it well and do it as God has called you, this is what your reward is. Persons repent. They're full of the truth. They come to their senses. And they escape the snare of the devil, no longer doing his will. Wow. People of God, growing to their full maturity, delivered from the enemy, free to live their life to the honor and glory of God. That's the benefit. Not for me. Because I'm a doulos. I'm a slave. And my job is to just do the will of the one who has called me. That's all of our jobs. Whatever he's called you to do, let's do our master's will. In his name. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. You've called us. And now we must answer. What would you have us to do? Are we doing what we should? Are we living as we should? Are the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart acceptable in your sight, Lord? Do we have the right attitude, the right perspective? And as we as leaders prepare to obey your word, it's not an easy call. But Father God, we pray for men and women who will live their lives in such a way, holy, acceptable vessels that are meet and fit for the Master's use. In Jesus' name, amen.